I'm Patrick Bedivy, host of ITM, and today's guest is Phil Heath, seven-time Astro Olympia. He had some confessions to make, very, very interesting sit-down that we had. I think if you're into the bodybuilding world and the fitness world, you are going to love today's interview. So first of all, before we get into it, how has this event been for you? Everybody coming up to you, talking to you, business, all that. It's been incredible. Um, it's a lot different sitting up here because I've been sitting over there this whole week with you guys. Um, how are you guys doing? You guys doing good? All right. I do want to say thank you all, but obviously thank you, Pat. Um, being here has been an incredible experience for me, and I'm sure it has been for all of you. Uh, this is a much different type of conference that I normally attend but I can tell you it's one of the greatest ones of my life. And I know I speak for a lot of you when I say that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you for saying that. Yeah. So, you know, you and I have sat down before and we've talked about a lot of Astro Olympia, those kinds of things. The part I want to talk to you about is very, very rarely does somebody keep winning over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. That's seven <laughs> times. Very rarely, right? We respect the champion. Right. You know, somebody wins the championship one time, you're like, listen, respect forever. Yes. Somebody does it two times in a row, much respect. Three, three-peat. Seven-peat, Celtics. No one in the NBA has done it seven times. In bodybuilding, it's only two people that have ever done it before. Right. So, what, what if, first of all, what is the mindset behind you wanting to do that consecutively and not getting tired after you win the first one? Um, insanity, I guess. I don't know. Um, madness like you talked about you know when i got into the sport of bodybuilding it was on october 8th 2002. Um, i had just completed uh, my last season at the university of denver uh, playing on the men's basketball team um, during that summer i you know i was thinking about maybe trying to play overseas stuff like that then i kind of realized phil you're five nine 180 pounds probably not going to work um, so then i started you know, hanging out with some bodybuilders on campus and uh, thought, you know what, maybe I'll try this. I just, you know, I think I have the physique to try as an amateur. And uh, 10 years, you know, I want to say, gosh, that first 10 years was pretty incredible uh, because, you know, I had to learn a lot about myself and a lot of the talks that you've had up here, I did get kind of emotional at times because when you're really going to the core of who you are, not a lot of people ask yourself that question. I would even ask you guys, how many of you this morning um, looked at yourself in the mirror after you brush your teeth, wash your face, like really look at yourself in the mirror? I mean, for me, I always try to do that. And bodybuilding initially made me have to look at who I am as an individual. It, do I wanna do the training? Okay, fine, I can train. But do I really wanna diet? Do I really want to give up time with friends? Do I want to be misunderstood? Am I okay with scrutiny? Because unlike a LeBron James or a Kobe Bryant, um, I was ta just talking that over here about it. Unlike anything else, you could be criticized about performance in the office, how you speak, how you, maybe how you dress that day or whatever, you didn't close a deal. We're talking about how you look without your clothes on. You know, so a lot of people in here 
maybe switch outfits. Um, you talk to my fiance, I mean, she probably changes three, four times sometimes, you know, did this look good? Does this look good? Because, you know, they want to be perfect. Yeah, that's a good point. But imagine your job is to be judged by a panel of judges, fans around the world about how you look in just this little itty bitty posing trunks. It, it's like your worst nightmare turned alive. Um, I knew early on that I really wanted to just have another outlet other than basketball. I wanted to be able to transfer those attributes that got me to play Division One level to something else. And I knew that I didn't have to put my teammates on my back to get the job done. Um, this was all about my effort, my effort alone. I had to learn a lot. Uh, I had to spend a lot of time reading about. We didn't have the resources that we do now with the internet. You know, Flex Magazine, Muscle and Fitness, right? right? Yeah. All these old books, the Nautilus books and all this other stuff, you know, how to train. Um, watching Pump and Iron on VHS. How many times have you seen that? Countless times that I've probably purchased it three times. Like literally the VHS would, you know, you know how it works. I mean, eventually it's done. Um, and then so a couple think, hundred times you watch at it. At least, you know, at least because you really wanted to understand the history of the sport. Who was the man at the time? You talked about Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, we all know who he was who or who he is. And uh, definitely somebody that I admired early on to, to be a champion, you know, like he was definitely one of my childhood heroes because at the time, you know, growing up, we had the President's Council of Health and Fitness test and he was the guy that was conducting that. I thought, wow, like this guy's muscular, like this guy's bigger than um, Lou Ferrigno, like the Incredible Hulk, like he's shaped in a Adonis fashion that if I could look a little bit like that, I, you know, I'd be so happy. Little did I realize I'd be a lot bigger than that. And um, yeah, it's just been a wild journey. How did you mentally, like when, when the stomach gets full, you're like, I won again, I won again, I won again, I won again. How does that keep you focused to keep wanting to come back and win? Because sometimes, you know, Success is the biggest liar, right? Because it gives a lot of blind spots. How did you consecutively stay hungry? That's the biggest challenge sometimes in business. You make a lot of money. You make three million in a year. Yeah. And you're like, what do I come back again next year? What, what record am I trying to break this year? You know, when I did my first Mr. Olympia contest, it was in 2008. I turned pro in 2005. So I was like, okay, I'm kind of like a LeBron or a Kobe Bryant coming out of high school. Sponsorships, everything, everybody's attention's on you. Um, I qualified for the Olympia in 2006 and 2007, declined to, to compete because I felt like I needed more experience. Pissed the hell out of Joe Weider. I mean, he was our godfather of bodybuilding. He was my boss for Flex Magazine, Muscle and Fitness. I had to sit in his office and tell him, no, I need more time. What are you talking about, Phil? Like, you could be top three. No, I need more time, but I'll make it count. So I placed third at my first Mr. Olympia contest in 2008. Upon that night, I realized it's possible, but, it, but when? Uh, and at first you say, well, when? Okay, I did third, third in the world, wow. Now it's not about when, it's about, you know, how many. So when I got that opportunity, and if I, and if I may, I'd like to tell you a quick story about this. So in 2008, I placed third. That following year, I'm thinking, well, I'm gonna win this damn thing. You know, it's my first time, like, I, I got third. I'm about to go ahead and beat these guys. Um, I got food poisoning the night before. <laughs> and we talk about things that you can't control. I trained, 
I did the diet, I did all that stuff. Sometimes when you're dieting the way that we diet, your immune system is very, very compromised. The slightest thing, handling of food, fish, steaks, stuff like that, it could really mess with you. Shaking hands with fans the night before could do that. You just never know. It's almost like someone getting up and saying, how you doing, Phil? What's going on? It's like sweaty hand and this and that. Next thing you know, you're yeah. touching your face on accident. Next thing you get sick. Um, you get people from all over the world coming to the Olympia. So I don't know what it was, but I just remember having the EMTs come into my room at 5.30 in the morning that Friday, and they're telling me not to compete. And I said, you know what? Let me, uh, give me a second. Okay, God, <laughs> you know what's going on. I can't control this. They want me to go to the hospital. I'm not going to the hospital, but if I throw it one more time, I'll go. But I don't want to go because these fans I just met from all over the world paid a lot of money to see me. So if I can just compete, I, I know I'm not going to win, but if I can just compete, I'll be all right. So I placed uh, fifth at that contest. And I, you know, I was really disappointed because you, know, you go from third to fifth. You know, and one of the defining moments in my life at that time was the following day we had a photo shoot with Joe Weider. And anyone that ever read a Flex magazine, especially with Arnold Schwarzenegger, Joe Weider was always there, always there. Well, as he got older, he's no longer with us as of today, but that was the last photo shoot that he would have with all of the athletes. And it was the first time since those days of Arnold that Flex magazine athletes, muscular development athletes, which was a rival magazine, still is, all came together. So it'd almost be like DC and Marvel coming together for Stan Lee and having a wow. photo shoot. So that's kind of like yeah. what it was. Um, I was there two hours before the photo shoot. Reporters come in, they're like, why, why are you here? I'm training legs. Now I just lost 26 pounds, competed this and that and the other. And I'm talking about 26 pounds in one day and competed. While everybody else is, you know, partying it up Saturday, you know, whether they won or lost, you know, they're all having a good time eating pizza, doing this. I'm thinking about how I'm going to get better. I said, you know what, I'm going to get my ass up. I'm going to go to the gym. And I go to the gym. Reporters are like, why are you here? And why are you training legs of all things? You're depleted. You're this. And I said, I got fifth last night. They're like, yeah, but you, you know, you got sick. You know, it happens. This, you know, you got fifth in the world. It's not that bad. You're the youngest pro on the circuit. I said, you know what? That's cool that you say that, but I, I, I don't, I'm very stubborn. And I want to train so hard that I'm trying to make a compelling argument with God in the universe that even if he says no, he's gonna be like, well, I gotta give it to him because he's just too damn stubborn. <laughs> I love that, I love that. So, thank you. Um, I just would not take no for an answer. I was like, I'm just not, I don't care. Like, like you say, there's certain things you can't control, I get it, but I'm like, I'm gonna try to fight this thing. And then 2010 comes, um, I'm standing up on stage with uh, Jay Cutler. He had won four Mr. Olympia titles. Um, he was going for number three at the time. And, uh, no, number four. Yeah, number four. This was his fourth one that he was going for. And the announcer, his name is Bob Chicarillo, and he always likes to drown, like to, to stall, to create suspense for you guys. So he says, like, the, last, the next name I read is going to be your 2010 Mr. Olympia champion. Now, get this. I had just... Uh, Previously got second place at the Arnold Schwarzenegger Classic that same year. So I, 2009, I got fifth, came back uh, 
uh, six months later, got second, thinking, I'm back in it, I'm about to go do this, got new sponsors, got some extra money in my pocket, I'm motivated, I'm ready to kick some ass, I'm doing promos, I'm telling everybody, I'm coming for you, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. I froze up. So, and you're like, what do you mean froze up? Like, you, you've already did your posing, like, they're, you're just waiting for the results. Froze up, I'll tell you what happened. So they announced the name, they say, Jay Cutler, and everybody's like, yay, and he and I are friends at the time, and I'm happy for him, and this and that. I go home, I watch the video, and I'm analyzing. So for me, when it comes to bodybuilding, I look at every little thing, but I'm looking at behavior. So I said, you are the biggest, and I'm sorry, excuse my language, you're the biggest fucking pussy ever, Phil. And one of my friends heard me say that, like, why are you calling yourself that, man? Like, what the hell was wrong with you? I said, watch this video. He goes, what? I said, you're not seeing what I'm seeing. I exhaled. They announced Jay Cutler's name and I go, why did I exhale, guys? Because I was happy that I got second place. Because you know what they do with second place? You should have won, Phil. I had you winning. Everybody loves the underdog now. Everybody roots for the underdog. The underdog is safe. Very interesting. He's safe. Phil, you just got second place at the Arnold Classic. You were robbed there too. Oh, you just came back from placing fifth the year prior. Oh yeah, I had you, I, you know what Phil, I, I had you winning, man. Like, I'm friends with Jay, man, but I, I had you winning. That's what, the, and you know what that does? Oh yeah, yeah, I, I should've won, I should've won. I didn't deserve to win because I didn't own it. But I sure as hell went in front of those reporters, man, prior to the show, I'm here to win, I'm here to do this. But it, when it was time to own it, I punked out. So that following year, I said, I'm not gonna do any promos, nothing, until I own it, until I own it. And that meant, I don't have to talk about this. I don't have to tell people what I'm doing. I don't have to talk about what I'm doing tomorrow and this and that and screaming from the mountaintops and doing these Instagram videos and Facebook and this and that. I don't have to tell you shit. I have to look in that mirror and I have to say it to myself one damn time and look at myself and be like, man, you ain't ready. Or are you ready? Really? Okay, go do it. So then, when I won the Olympia in 2011, it's a different type of exhale. You close your eyes, and then for some reason, my life flashed before my eyes. It went all the way back to when I was a kid, like your kids, like that size, all the way to the current time in 2011, but it, w it showed every defining moment of my life, every why in the road, every time where I was, I mean, I'm talking about like, my birthday's a week before Christmas, I get screwed every year. <laughs> I grew up in the inner city of Seattle. I remember being about your kid's age, your oldest kid's age, coming home, house completely ransacked, no Christmas, no nothing, someone robbed us. Cops in the house. I'm just like, okay, no big deal, I guess. I mean, I don't know what it feels like to really have anything anyway. We didn't have a lot, but okay. Stuff like that to watching um, my first high school dance. One of my friend's brothers got shot in the face six times, 10 feet away from me.
um, to winning state in basketball, to getting my degree, to all these other things, right? All these decisions. And then it was just like, and that's when the tears come because you're like, you know what? All those little things got me here. From the heartbreak to, wow. the, to the lies, to the, to the deceit from others, from the mistakes I made to this and that, got me here. Like you just said, I'm a basketball player, right? Like back then. But it got me here. You damn right I'm happy. So it was, um, when you talk about what kept me going, that moment right there was like, it's worth it. No one else knows what that feels like in this sport because I was the 13th Mr. Olympia champion. So imagine only 13 people climb that mountain. So to answer the question, how did I keep it going? I'm a nerd. I like video games. I like the video game Mortal Kombat for some reason. Okay, obviously for the fatalities, I get it, but. <laughs> so if you ever play the game, you start here and there's like a totem pole of at, uh, competitors, people, characters you gotta beat. And um, I, that's what I started doing. I was like, it's not about the competition anymore. It's about who won Mr. Olympia one time. Dexter Jackson, Chris Dickerson, you know, okay. Who won it two times? Who won it three times? Who won it four, five, six, seven, and eight is the final level. So each year I was like, okay, I got two. I got three, I'm tied with Sergio. I got four, I'm tied with Jay. Pissed him off, okay? To the point where we barely even talk anymore, okay? It happens. <laughs> to five, to six, which is Dorian Yates. And then I said, you know, there's another perch up there with this guy named the Austrian Oak, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm, I'm gonna see you up there. So I remember the year I was getting ready for it in 2017, I said to Arnold at his show, um, came by my booth and he said, hello. And I said, um, you know, I got something to tell you. And he and I have a very interesting relationship. We don't really, um, we don't talk. It's more like, have you ever met someone and I'm sure, Pat, you have definitely met someone who isn't really your enemy, maybe your peer, but you can like stand in the same room, shake their hand, not say one freaking word, but have a long conversation. <laughs> it's like the movie Sherlock Holmes with Robert Downey Jr. Before he like punches the guy or whatever, he's having a conversation of what he's gonna do to him and then that guy says the same thing back. <laughs> it's more like Arnold and I shaking hands. Hey, Phil, hey Arnold, how you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tie you this year, and I'm going to be way better than you. No, you're not, you little shit. Like, you're not nothing in this net. You know? So I, so I, I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pay homage to a legend, and I'm, I'm going to remind him, because in this day and age, young people don't do that. They forget where they come from, and they don't show respect. So um, it's one thing to be very competitive, but you got to show respect. So what I did was I said, you know, obviously I'm at your show. Um, exhibiting for my company, but I uh, just want to tell you it would be an honor to be tied with you for seven. You know, and I'm going to be training my ass off to make sure that happens. So he acknowledged me and he looked at me and um, 
he and I never, like I said, we have a very interesting relationship, but he looked at me and he knew that I wasn't messing around. It wasn't just a raw, raw speech. It wasn't just, because we've all done that shit. He stands back, hugs me. Wow. And grabs me and says, and he can't really say you're going to do it because Dexter Jackson is standing right next to me, who's, who's a one-time Mr. Olympia. So he doesn't want to make him feel bad. But he says, like the nod, like, yeah. And stuff like that, those type of moments, you know, I always keep with me and say, you know what, Phil? Like, if you need some validation, I mean, here it is. But you don't have to continue to seek it from others, okay? Sometimes I think what happens a lot of the time is I, there's some people that I met in here. Um, they were, we were talking about their goals and aspirations for health and wellness. You know, the first thing I told them is stop posting all your uh, pictures on Instagram. Try your hardest to just keep some of that to yourself. Because you don't need validation from these strangers because, like you said up here, the white lies are going to be there. They're going to tell you how great you are because they don't want to hurt your feelings. They're your friends. They're your family. They're your loved ones. They don't want to say, man, you're fat. You're this and that. Like, yep, you got a little love handle here. You ain't, you, you, you look, you, you ain't got no calves. It looks like you're riding a chicken. Like, I mean, all kind of stuff. You ever think about riding a chicken? Like the chicken jockey? Yeah. Okay. Anyway. But this is what it really takes to, to be a champion is that you really have to dissect everything. Every data point that Patrick is talking about of like business, I have to do that with the amount of sleep I get, which isn't much, um, how much water I drink per hour, um, the meals that I have to prepare. By the, I actually had to switch to the metric system because I'm like, you know what? Like this doesn't make, this ounce of stuff that makes no sense to me anymore. So how many grams of protein, carbs, fats, like all your macros, like everything has to be portioned out correctly. Um, every picture that I have, I probably have two terabytes worth of photographs and videos that no one has ever seen because it's not for you, it's for me. <laughs> it's my systems, my, my strategies, my protocols, like, and then I probably will write a book one day. Um, but I had to do all these things to understand my process. So on October 8, 2002, I made sure that I was taking a picture every week, front, back, side to side, trying to hit these poses, whatever. Then started critiquing myself, started flipping through the magazine saying, you know what, all right, I need to do better. How about I print these pictures out, take a Sharpie, and start drawing what I want my body to look like. Mm -hmm. Then referencing the magazine, who's got the better shoulders? Okay, Kevin Leroni better shoulders. Okay, let me do that. Who's got great abs? Sean Ray. Who's got big back? Dorian Yates, Ronnie Coleman. Legs, Tom Platts. Posing, Arnold. Okay, let me combine all this stuff and wow. make it work for me. But let me do this because every year your body changes. Your body is very dynamic. It's not static. That's why we see all these different diets and stuff running around. So that's when you have to be a student of yourself. But what's been interesting about this journey is that I can be honest here. Me winning the Olympia was not as hard as people think. It was to deal with the outside world, the things like life, things like, you talked about my father passing, stuff like that. Divorce, I've been divorced. I've had a company before, totally got robbed. Millions of dollars, public scrutiny, this and that, being misunderstood. And unlike you, most of you, I'm on social media and I get hammered. Because we like to pull our athletes down. We like to, and you know, it's funny, in, in bodybuilding, 
if you post up a picture of your body, you have to expect someone to like it and not to like it. It's just whatever they like. They're not the judge, but every day, constant. I can't even exhale up here and like slouch because someone could take a picture, mm. post it. Yeah, see, he looks like shit right here. I know he's wearing street clothes and this and that, but like you could tell like he's not even ready to win the Olympics. I'm wearing freaking clothes right now, but this is every day. So imagine like when you're at work, it would be like Pat and another analyst right here all the time, all the time, every day, all day, every day, all day. But you know what's cool is that I signed up for it and I understand it's a game and I fucking love it. I love it. I love it. I, I gotta say, Phil is the easiest guy to interview. I asked one question, he went for 30 minutes. Very easy. So, give it up, Phil Heath. Thanks everybody for listening. And by the way, if you haven't already subscribed to Valuetainment on iTunes, please do so. Give us a five star, write a review if you haven't already. And if you have any questions for me that you may have, you can always find me on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. Just search my name, Patrick Bid David. And I actually do respond back when you snap me or send me a message on Instagram. With that being said, have a great day today. Take care, everybody. Bye bye.